This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. With all the attention on the opioid crisis, here lands cannabis. And so cannabis now becomes the savior, the utopia of society, and heal the opioid crisis. And for the past three to four years, that's exactly what we've seen from the media perspective. Now, we're three months away from legalization, and the other story comes out. The other side of that story is, well, what about the harms? What about the risks? What about driving? What about all these things? And so you can clearly see, as usual, no balance on either of these issues, one side versus the other. And clearly, we need to land in a place of balance for both of these. Welcome to the new and expanded 60-minute version of The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss how to enhance your brain power. Then we'll explore the myth of sexual normalcy. We're also going to learn whether medical cannabis is a suitable replacement for opioids. And we'll hear how to keep well over the summer. Lastly, we're going to find out the top healthy pantry staples. But first, a bit of business. Support for today's show comes from Purica. Inspired by nature and backed by science, Purica creates new horizons in health and wellness by empowering you with the finest whole foods, supplements, and lifestyle solutions. The Purica vision is a world where you achieve your fullest potential in every aspect of life, work, and play. Purica products are inspired by nature and are all vegan, non-GMO, and gluten-free. Purica, a winner of Science and Technology Awards for Innovation, is Canadian-owned and Canadian-operated and proud to serve the world around us. Purica natural supplements are also backed by Science and Health Canada approved. Studied, tested, validated. Purica. Our first guest today is Tanya Ritko. She's a registered holistic nutritionist and a strong advocate of a balanced, integrative approach to health. Tanya's core interests include stress management and optimizing immunity. She represents Purica, a complete wellness company, as director of education. As a new mother, her passion for plant-based whole food nutrition has only increased, especially around natural supplements designed to enhance immunity for family members of all ages. She can be reached at Tanya at Purica.com. Welcome back to the show, Tanya. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. So this segment, we're going to discuss something that's, that's near and dear to me, which is, and very interesting to me, and that is brain power. We're going to do, we're going to talk about upstairs today, right? Absolutely. You're right. <laughs> and there's been an increase in focus and attention on brain health. Is that right? There has been. And I really believe it. Uh, we're in this digital era, the technology, and I, I believe a lot of us you know, we're, we're concerned, of course, Alzheimer's, dementia, and that is something of concern, but even just right now remembering things and our mind and body coordination. I mean, all of us, if you get nervous, if you don't remember something, and we have a lot coming at us to process, especially in this, you know, digital era that, you know, more expected of us. And attention spans aren't quite what they used to be. <laughs> uh, I was looking at, I don't know if your attention span is now eight seconds as opposed to a goldfish, which is nine seconds. So now... If someone says that you have the attention span of a, a goldfish, it's not quite quite so much of an insult anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to capture our listeners' interest today for more than eight seconds. That's, I'm hoping so too. Yeah, that's our that job. That, that's our job for the next fifteen minutes. We have to make exactly. sure we keep them on board. 
referred to. So I, I think that that's been a big thing and just you know, want to be on top of our game. And so your brain health is, you know, it's important. I mean, our bodies aren't going to function without our brains. So uh, it's all connected. How important is exercise for brain health? Exercise is so important because it's something that we can also immediately have immediate effects on the brain. It's a great mood booster. Sure. Uh, it you know, releases neurotransmitters like dopamine, noradrenaline, serotonin, which are these chemicals that play such an important regulating our mind, our mood. So they're, you know, low levels of serotonin can be associated with anxiety and, and, and depression and things like that. So, I mean, these, these are, have immediate effects on the brain. You can go for a workout, and they've also, just right after a workout, they, our reaction time is quicker. Yep. And they say that two hours after our workout that we have a, a more of a focus. We're more focused. So I, I used to do my best thinking. I used to go for runs and now I find, uh, you know, if I can zone out, not if I'm doing a class yeah. where, where I'm, you know, do, I have to follow, you know, a, a strict regimen, but if it's, if it's a run or a walk or mm-hmm. a bike ride, I do some of my best, I call collateral thinking where my, I sort of yeah. empty the brain and uh, my muses come forward in the moment. I find that, that exercise is, is huge for that. I agree. And there's, a, you know, we used to, like, not just the body, but this emotional fitness. A lot yep. of we're talking about emotional fitness. It's, it's huge. We uh, need that to clear our minds. And the other thing is, is the protective effects on the brain, uh, not just, you know, immediate, but also there's been neuroscientists have studied about these oftentimes like these for immediate effects, of course, but also degenerative cognitive decline in the, the actually it produces more brain cells to increase um, volume in the hippocampus. So the prefrontal right. cortex and the hippocampus, both these actually are so important for memory. And those two are known as um, being hallmarks for, you know, the Alzheimer's. Yeah, I, I just read a that's, study that suggested yeah. sort of uh, our more ancient brains, uh, actually the connections, I guess, I don't know if it's the synapses, but the interconnectivity of our mm-hmm. more ancient brain is enhanced through exercise, which makes sense, yeah. right? Because when we were out on the savanna hunting mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you needed to be active in order to engage, you know, the flight or fight elements of your brain uh, to keep right. to keep alive. Yeah. I also find with, with exercise, you know, if I'm tired, I get a better night's sleep. And if I get a better night's sleep, I'm a clearer thinker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. You burn off some of that, that energy and just, it, it's such, I mean, it's, it, you notice it immediately. Yep. Even going for a walk, you can like walk off your stress. And that's the thing about this too, is that, you know, you don't need to be a, an athlete. It's just even 30 minutes of aerobic and it's really that aerobic. So yep. power walking or just getting your body moving is so important. So uh, I, I know you like a phrase, mental fitness, but what does it mean and what effect does it have on us? Well, I, the mental fitness, I like when we learn something new, our brain builds these connections between the neurons and, you know, can replace some of these that we lose over time. So basically our synapses either strengthen or weaken. So being able to, like if we perform a task or recall information or these different neurons fire together and they strengthen the connection between the cells, so it's going to work more efficiently. So anything that we can do to sort of learn these new skills or keep doing that, keep our brain activated. I mean, the area of neuroplasticity is quite interesting because the, the ability for the brain to change throughout our life is a real interesting area of research. Uh, actually, uh, one of those researchers from Baycrest is going to be coming on the show very shortly to discuss. There's an ongoing study about neuroplasticity and nice. uh, they're doing some double-blind testing where people are, uh, you know, it's all about lifestyle stuff, so it's not about mm-hmm. drugs. To stave off Alzheimer's, the idea 
of learning something new. So, for example, mm-hmm. I understood that doing brain puzzles every day was a good way of, of sort of enhancing uh, those neurons. But in fact, it isn't about doing the same things over and over again. It mm-hmm. is actually the act of learning something, something new. new. So, yeah. so even watching a documentary or, or learning a new language or picking yeah. up a musical instrument, however old you are, is going to assist uh, with your brain health. It's huge, learning that something new. I, I actually, it's interesting because my grandmother was very sharp. Uh, you know, she, she passed away. But she was always learning, like, even new card games. Or she was yep. learning art or learning something. And she was so sharp. She was, and I just, I think of her, like, she was always interested in, in learning something and keeping photography or anything. She was always keeping her brain active. And, I mean, she was really with it. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let, let's move to, to the dietary sort of uh, mm-hmm. aspects of, of keeping your brain strong. So what kind of fats are considered healthy fats for the brain? The omega-3, the essential yep. fatty acids, that's known as, you know, the best kind of fats that we need and it helps regulate inflammation and they're just, it helps improve cognition. Right, I need to take yeah. some uh, myself Cognition. right now. Cognition, <laughs> yes. Cognition, and uh, it's basically so you can get the, uh, some fish is known as yep. having those, but some people are concerned also with you know mercury toxins. So if you're a vegetarian, vegan, allergy for sources, chia seeds really good. Yep. Flax seeds, walnuts, avocados, a lot of leafy greens. So those are really just really upping the omega threes. Really important. Yep. So, uh, and keeping away from the real big ones you want to stay away from is those trans fats. Yes. Because they're the deep fried foods, you know, or fried foods, all those things like donuts, things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to keep them. away from them because I like them, but I'll but just... just... Well, it's monitor, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, say, you know, moderation, right? So yes. Moderation. Moderation is key. And I know everybody is focusing on sugar as a great evil, but it, it impacts on your brain too, doesn't it? It is. It's really the big effect is too much sugar, excess sugar, because when we it can mess up our reward pathways. We have these intense cravings, and then if, can, if we uh, have too much resistance to insulin, because insulin levels in the brain are if they're lowered because of excess sugar, then that's when we start getting impaired. Our, our brain starts being affected, and huh. uh, those intense cravings, and they, you know, if you just, um, I know I used to, when I was younger, I had to stay away from sugar. Sugar was my, my big thing, actually. That's how I got into nutrition to begin with. I had huge, crazy sugar sugar spikes and that, and um, but the effects are really, the too much sugar, that's really going to impact. So the more the refined sugar is going to have a real impact on the brain. Okay. Now, when I was growing up, I was told that I had to have my fish because that was brain food. If you ate your fish at yeah. dinner, that was brain food. Is that right? Or are, are there actually foods that can help you with your, with your brain power? The fish, the omega-3, so yep. they're considered that. But a lot of people are getting sort of, you know, are sort of watching sometimes their takes. Not everyone is, is um, on board with it, so there are, you know, different options. But, um, I mean, that was considered, you know, the omega-3, which is this yep. fatty, so for sure the essential fatty acids. So, yeah, that was definitely the thinking. Now there's, you know, lots of other things. So those the avocados, nuts, seeds, the chia seeds, a lot of different things to also add into the diet. And uh, a lot of things, whatever is good for your heart is also good for your brain. So that's really important. Like the getting a lot of the antioxidants, too, are, are great for helping just with free radical damage yep. and just getting all those, you know, your vitamin E, you got the nuts and seeds and leafy greens. That's great, good for your brain. All those things are, are really thinking about good for your heart are going to help help your brain as well. And, and what uh, supplements would you recommend for somebody who wanted to promote healthy brain? Yeah, for healthy, I mean, in addition to your 
overall diet. So supplementation, one that's really interesting, uh, they're all is lion's mane. It's been around for thousands of years, but actually it has um, associated with optimal nerve health. And what it does, it is actually ability to stimulate synthesis of nerve growth factor. And that helps with the repair, maintenance, and building of your nerves. There's a lot of very, very interesting on, on the lion's mane. So if someone's looking at that, they can do a little more information on lion's mane. It's, it's quite impressive, of course, with cognitive decline in, in, while we're aging. But if they're just concerned in general, it's a really, really impressive uh, what it, uh, the ability for that. The stimulating the senses of a nerve growth factor is really quite, quite interesting to look into. And then the curcumin, which is active compounds in the turmeric, really high in anti-inflammatory properties and a really potent antioxidant. So it's also good for the heart, again, and the brain. So that's that's, uh, really, really overall going to help what helps the heart, helps uh, the brain as well. Fantastic. And I would say one thing I would also add is magnesium. We talked about magnesium before. And that's to help you get a good night's sleep, right? Yeah, helpful. uh, Good night's sleep help with stress, which is really our stress impacts our brain. Uh, Really important for just a lot of us are deficient in it. It has so many different cofactors and so many different uh, enzymatic processes in the body. But it's really uh, an important one, too, to make sure that magnesium, because it affects serotonin in our body, which affects our mood. So those those are a few to think about that I would, would say could really you know, health support in addition to your healthy diet. And if, and if our listeners wanted to get some more information from you regarding some of these supplements, how could they reach you? They can reach me at uh, Tanya, T-A-W-N-Y-A, at Purica.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for coming in today. Uh, always a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, you too. Thank you, Jamie. We'll have you back again next month. Sounds great. Yep, but now we've got to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to discuss the myth of sexual normalcy on the tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Are you recently retired? Do you own your own home? Are you looking for funds to pursue a passion project, to renovate your home, or finally to go on that European vacation? A loan from Home Equity Bank can help. A chip reverse mortgage is a tax-free lifetime loan for up to 55% of a home's value. Available to Canadians age 55 or older who own their home with a minimum property value of $150,000. Funds from a reverse mortgage can be taken out in a lump sum, scheduled payments or both. And remember, a homeowner who takes out a chip reverse mortgage will never owe more than the fair market value of their home. Check out homeequitybank.ca for more information. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. 
Carlisle Jansen is the founder of Good For Her, Toronto's premier sexuality shop and workshop centre in Toronto, and she's the producer of the Toronto International Porn Festival. She's the author of two books, including Sex Yourself. Watch her TEDx Toronto talk and educational videos at carlislejansen.com, and to reach out, it's carlisle at goodforher.com. Carlisle also writes the sexual health column in Tonic Magazine. In the May issue of Tonic, she wrote about sexual normalcy. Welcome back to The Tonic. Hello, it's a pleasure. So everybody has this idea in their head that they're either sexually normal or they're sexually abnormal, and it edifies how they treat their partners and how they think of themselves, and it's a pretty big issue if you think about it. Well, we want to be normal, We do. (laughs) We don't want to feel like we're freaks, and when it comes to sex, that's a really scary thing. There's something wrong with me, or I'm, you know, I'm not desirable. So it falls into a lot of categories that people are worried about. Yeah, I think the thing that some people worry about, <laughs> you know, is, is you know, you read about, well, normal couples have sex X time right. per week Yeah, or per people month. ask me it, all the time, how it, many times a week should we be having sex? Right. Should we? <laughs> Must we? Or what's normal, you Well, know? we'd like to, for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and at my age, I realize now that it's dependent on other energies and how you're feeling about each other. And th- there is no right amount of time, right? Like Absolutely. It's, it's it's really, it's what works for the couple, right? And for some couples, they want to have sex once, twice a day. And for others, it's once a month or even less frequently. I mean, there's some couples who decide they're not going to have sex anymore, but they still love each other. Right. You know, if that's both fine for them then good on them. You know, the challenge is when that's not fine for right. one of them. Exactly, right? And that's when, or both. And, and that's when problems occur, right? When, when, you're, when you're sort of in different gears. Yeah, when, and then that's when you have tensions and when we start to think, you know, oh, well, you have too high a libido, you have too low a libido, right. you want sex too much, you want sex too little, and we start labeling that you're, you're the freak, you're the one who's not normal. Right, so... Another thing that people think about is their bodies because yeah. because we're bombarded with images of the way we should be and right. and what's, what's healthy and what's, what's attractive. You're right. Yeah. And it's a very narrow view of who is sexy. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more, you know, quote unquote, plus size models. And we're seeing a little bit more on billboards in general of people who are generally women, not men, who are a little bit fatter and portrayed in a desirable way. But generally, it's white, thin, young people who are deemed as desirable. You know, the pressures for men are there, too. I think they more, are. Absolutely. More, more so than perhaps in years past. Past. You know, I think one aspect of, you know, women's rights and, and sort of women asserting themselves sexually is, of course, women have their preferences. And, yeah. and you know, so now men are sort of on the, on the other side of things being looked at as, you know, having to have standards that perhaps people didn't look at before. Sure. And the, the standards have gone up for, for all genders. For everybody. Right? I, I think social media is responsible for that, too. Right. I think media in general and for, you know, you open any kind of a magazine, you know, that, uh, you know, like Cosmo or whatever, and it's all about, you know, what's appropriate, what what the new standard is. And then, you know, once you get past the idea of, you know, am I attractive and, you know, you have a partner that you mm-hmm. want to engage with. Then there's the pressure of the actual sexual act itself, right? Yes, and pressure makes it really hard for us to A, enjoy ourselves, and B, especially if you have a penis, for it to work the way you want it to. Especially if you have a penis. (laughs) Especially if you have a penis. I mean, you know, if you don't, then it's, you know, your arousal might not be there, but it's not as obvious and certainly not as critical for something like intercourse. Right, right. 
but pressure makes things really hard. Pressure to orgasm at the same time during intercourse if you're a heterosexual couple. Right. Um, now uh, women ejaculating is part of the pressure. And so anyone who does something that they don't understand, you know, a lot of women who do ejaculate are like, what's wrong with me? I, you know, or uh, what's wrong with me? I can't orgasm during intercourse. What's wrong with me? I lost my erection. And so all of these pressures and thinking like, oh, if I lost my erection, I'm not normal. You know what? You actually are. It happens right. quite commonly. And it's not the end of the world. There are other things you can do and there are things that you can do also to help with that. But people so much want to be in the norm and feel like they're okay, especially when it comes to sex. Right. And then there's the whole issue is you feel you have your predilections, you want to do something or you have fantasies that you want to act on. And sometimes you have those thoughts, well, I want to act on this, but how will my partner respond? This is something we haven't done before. I've never expressed this desire. And that sort of, you start contextualizing, well, if it was normal, then it would be okay to ask. Right. Right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Fifty Shades gave us some permission to explore some different fantasies. But, you know, oral sex was not considered normal like 30 years ago. Right. (laughs) And, you know, so there's always these things, you know, what if I... I, you know, really want to, um, I don't know, uh, have sex in a, in a club where other people watch me, you know, or there's some people who want to pop balloons while they have sex. What's interesting to you? As long as there's consent right. and your partner is okay with it, then go ahead and do it. You know, if your partner is not okay with it, you have to kind of figure that out, but it doesn't mean you're not normal. Just because your partner's not into it doesn't mean you're not normal, and it doesn't mean that what you want to do is not okay. Right. So the the two takeaway points today, I I, I think, are number one, nobody's normal. We're all, yeah. we're all we're all sort. There is no yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and number two, as long as your partner is willing and consenting, it's all fair play. Yeah, and and even your desires, even if your partner doesn't want to consent, that your desire is still normal. Right. And you might not be able to act on it or you might have to negotiate a different way, but that just because somebody else isn't into it doesn't mean that you're a freak. Right. Well, thank you for coming in again. We'll have you back next month for sure. Great. We've got to take take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. And now the soul segment with spiritual medium, transpersonal therapist and teacher, Lisa Marvin. Through her use of tarot cards, your questions about love, money, and career are sure to be answered. This week, we're going to do a tarot reading for a celebrity who has a birthday this month. Tom Cruise's birthday is July 3rd. We're going to look at three cards to see what has brought him to where he is now, how his month is going, and what he might expect in the near future. The first card in his reading is the Knight of Wands. This means that he's really been putting himself out there creatively and taking action to get to where he wants to be. I know that he has a new Mission Impossible movie coming out this month. It's showing that he's put a lot of himself into creating this movie. This month, however, he has the Five of Wands, which means that he might encounter some problems. The Five of Wands tells us that he's going to have to try not to make mountains out of molehills and to do the best that he can. I wonder what sort of things Tom Cruise is going to encounter this month that will give him some issues. Maybe his reviews won't be that great. In the end, it's good news for him because the final card that he has in his reading is the Ten of Pentacles. The Ten of Pentacles means that he will once again end with a wonderful celebration of love and fulfillment in his life. So it sounds like all in all, he's got some good luck other than a few bumps in the road ahead. His future is looking bright. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to connecting again with you next week. 
This has been the Soul Segment with Lisa Marvin. To contact Lisa with your questions, please visit metaphysique.ca. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is Dr. Hans Clark. He's the Director of Pain Services at the Centenary Pain Clinic and is the Director of Pain Services at the Toronto General Hospital. He's the Research Chair for the University of Toronto Centre for the Study of Pain. Dr. Clark's research interests include identifying novel acute pain treatments following major surgery, identifying the factors involved in the transition of acute post-surgical pain to chronic pain, and identifying risk factors associated with continued opioid use and poor health-related quality of life after major surgery. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks, Jamie. Pleasure to be here. So recently, we've done some segments on medical marijuana, and in particular, medical marijuana in the context of pain relief. And, you know, when you have those discussions with advocates for medical marijuana, just because of political climate that we have today in North America, the discussion turns to opioids. So I thought it would be interesting to have you into the show again, and we're going to do a little opioids versus medical marijuana. Are you up for that? Sure, but we got to call it medical cannabis. Jay. Medical. I know they don't like medical marijuana. They yeah. prefer medical cannabis. You got it. I understand. Okay. So with current political climate and the restrictions on prescribing opioids, what can you do and what can't you do and why is that problematic? So I guess we'll start with opioids. Then, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, you know, there's been clearly a lot of uh, media attention to the quote unquote opioid crisis. Right. And it's been pictured or uh, sold as, you know, a prescription pad issue. Unfortunately, a lot of those uh, uh, reviews that are coming out now, both the BC uh, death panel review over their overdose deaths, they had about 1,471 deaths last year. Wow. Ontario had 688, sorry, 867. Those are our numbers. And, you know, finally, they're saying, you know, 80% of those deaths were illicit fentanyl-related deaths, and 30% of them actually happen with inmates who are newly released uh, from prisons. And so we're backing off on this knee-jerk reaction that it's the prescription pad causing deaths. So, you know, where do we need to go? We need to get to the place where people understand who should be accessing the medication safely and how we avoid those people who go on to develop a long-term problem or, or an addiction or a persistent opioid problem, which is still a percentage of patients, and get better at that. So with all the attention on the opioid crisis, here lands cannabis. Right. And so cannabis now becomes the savior, the utopia of society, you know, the medication that will cure all evils and heal the opioid crisis. And and for the past three to four years, that's exactly what we've seen from the media perspective. Right. Now we're three months away from legalization and the other story comes out and the other side of that story is, well, what about the harms? What about the risks? What about driving? What about all these things? And so you can clearly see as usual, no balance on either of these issues, one side versus the other. And clearly we need to land in a place of balance for both both of these issues. Or at least understanding that, that it's fact-based, right? I mean, yeah. let people make their own 
decisions, but be fully informed. I think as a as an Ontarian, I want to understand what are the ramifications of people switching from opioids to uh, medical cannabis, and what are the you know do people really understand the difference between medical cannabis and recreational cannabis? Because I expect there's going to be a good proportion of people who are going to start taking recreational cannabis because they think it's going to help with their pain issues. So, Jamie, there's a ton there. You've right. talked about recreational versus medical. You've right. talked about this switch possibility. Yep. You've talked about where is the science. Where because is nobody the else data. is talking about it, right? Right. Well, no, because it's it is again PR has run this industry. You've got an industry. It's a, what a thirty billion dollar industry now in Canada, and uh, in three and, and a half years, yeah. and, and climbing. And where's the revenues? Anyway, that's a different topic for a different story. Yep. Let's just talk science, medicine, etc. Not the stock market. And so, <laughs> and so, and so, if we're looking at science and we're talking about what's actually out there in terms of where we know these things have an effect and how they work, well, yep. clearly they work on the central nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. They have a CB1 central nervous system response or a CB2 peripheral nervous system response. One is more mediating your inflammatory, neuroinflammatory response in particular, and the other one is a overall dampening down of your neuronal firing. Let's put it that way. So now okay. let's talk about the science. Let's talk about any drug we prescribe in the pain world, whether that is a gabapentin medication, like an anticonvulsant, whether it's a you know an SNR, which is a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, a tricyclic antidepressant, an opioid, what do these drugs do? They dampen the nervous system. And why wouldn't cannabis, which is the mother of all CNS uh, depressants, if you ask me, we actually call it an omni-neuromodulator, have the same effect? And of course it makes sense that this molecule, which dampens your nervous system, would have an effect on pain, on anxiety, on sleep, yep. on epilepsy, on all of these things we see people gravitating to to use it as we move forward. So, you know, from a molecular standpoint, it makes sense. Now, from a science standpoint, well, the area where we have most science and most of the randomized controlled trials happens to be in pain and in particular neuropathic pain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for decades, people were smoking their joints and telling us, hey, you know, this helps my nerve pain. This helps my HIV neuropathy. I have this sharp shooting pain down my leg and I take this thing and it helps me. I have patients that I saw 10 years ago in the clinic and they'd say to me, I broke my leg skiing. I have this tibial plateau fracture. My surgeon fixed it. This pain is not going away. And they'll say, well, you're crazy. It's all in your head. But you know what does it for me? I've tried all the opioids, all the medications. I take my joint and I have two puffs in the morning, middle of the day, end of the day. And you know what, doc? That enables me to function. Right. So this is not novel. It's not new. I think we can, under, we can embrace the fact that there is science and uh, physiologic evidence to back that cannabis has an effect in pain. Now, right. is it the cure? And you talked about the switch. Right. So the switch concept's fascinating. So now we can just prescribe cannabis instead of opioids. And so, you know, we, we for example, my colleagues and I uh, at UHN, we've, we just published six abstracts in Holland at the International Research Society for Cannabinoid uh, Science. And, you know, one of them is an Ontario-based study. We followed a 1,000 patients through. We're just working on the manuscript now um, through uh, to six months. Uh, about 650 stayed on their cannabis, so they, they were the population that we looked at. Right. You know, 66% of that population showed a reduction in their opioid. And that makes sense. If of you're going to add something to the armamentarium, you can probably take something back, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the other thing you asked about, Jamie, was, you know, recreational versus medical cannabis. Right. And so we do not have a medical cannabis industry in Canada. 
Okay. What we have is a recreational product that people are self-medicating and or being given access to because we don't prescribe. Let's let's clarify that for the public. We enable access. We prescribe DIN products. We prescribe products that have come through a pipeline, phase one, phase two, phase three, etc. So when I write a prescription, there's a DIN attached to that. What the government's created is a framework for us to enable you to access, you to possess, and uh, you consume. So at the moment, people are using that pathway to get access to it under a physician or they're getting it through the black market. Right. But, you know, with all due respect, some of the some of the cannabis that they're getting has been specially formulated uh, to deal with pain or to deal with anxiety. You know, you're not talking about the stuff that people are buying illicitly, right? There is a distinction, isn't there, between medical oh, marijuana? Jamie, you're, Am I a you're, fool? You're such a fool. Yeah, absolutely. So reformulated in what way? So either I sell you the bud through the LP or I sell you the bud through the dispensary. It's the bud. It's the plant, okay? Yeah, I can extract a product and I can put it into an oil format and right. you can put a drop of oil under your tongue. I can make capsules for you and you can put that into your stomach. Show me where we have any regulatory body telling you that what's in that pill, what's in that product, where's the consistency, where are the standards that you need to consume. I can tell you some of our research already, and we, we've started to have uh, research ethics board approval to test some samples, test patients' blood. People are going to be pretty surprised as this industry evolves that, you know, all companies aren't the same. You think we have 112 of these licensed producers, so we need to get this where the public is safely consuming what they're getting. We have an understanding. If you come into an institution now and you're consuming two, three grams of cannabis. Can you actually do it in the institution? Have we embraced a medical product to bring it in? Do we know what those parameters look like? When you mean an institution, what, what are you referring to? We know we have 260,000 individuals in Canada consuming cannabis. Right. And when it becomes recreational or when it becomes yeah. legal, we'll probably double that number. Well, you know, at uh, least, uh, yeah. uh, right? In terms of that. And so now what happens if you walked into an institution? Like what, what do you mean by institution? If you get hospitalized. Well, I know it's an issue. My, my father-in-law is, you know, he's on staff for a number of retirement facilities, right? So if somebody gets prescribed medical cannabis, the issue is, do they take it themselves or do the nurses have to administer it? And what's the protocol for it? And that there's all kinds of liability issues and responsibility issues. So it, it's a live issue, if that's what you mean. Oh, absolutely. So I've been in this game, you know, for quite, since, since, since day one even. And, you know, for the past... Three years, we've been scouring institutions even in the U.S. Not a single one has a policy. And the reason they don't have a policy is because it's still a federally restricted illegal drug. We're going to make this thing completely legal. Right. All of this, all of these frameworks have to be built in. Institutional policies, I'm, I'm about to build a, build a center of excellence, I'm hoping, uh, where we can start to sort out some of these issues from a pharmacy perspective. But do you think a pharmacy is going to enable any product out there? Into We need to see some science. We need to have some data. We need to show consistency. If we want alternative products, the bud is the bud. And so if you're consuming the bud, that's fine. But if you want to start talking about refining products that we can prescribe, et cetera, you better lead that with extraction techniques. You better know that when you decarboxylate a molecule, people don't even know you can eat the plant. You'll have almost minimal effect. Right. You need to heat it. You need to decarboxylate it. And you need to know if a product A that you buy today gives you a 20% effect why is it when you buy it four months later, it's giving you 60% of the effect it had before because you have no idea that it's exactly the same consistency. And so to get to the place where we call this a medical industry and call it something that we embrace institutionally and, and moving forward, that's different than using a recreational product for a therapeutic benefit. That's where we still sit today. We do not have a medical cannabis industry. All of these folks that claim that they have a medical industry and a science-based industry, show me, show me that. 
right? You walk into maybe a three or four of these 112 LPs, they can maybe make that claim. But certainly not every single LP out there can make a claim that they have a medical science laboratory happening. Well, would you be willing, I, I'd love to set up a roundtable with you and perhaps some researchers from the medical cannabis side. Would you come back and we can discuss these issues head uh, on? Happy to do that, Jamie. Well, that sounds like fun. And uh, we've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. And now, time for Pure Beauty. Learn all about holistic skincare and health featuring chemical-free ingredients. Here's naturopathic doctor and co-founder of Pure and Simple Beauty and Wellness Centers, Dr. Kristen Ma. Those with rosacea know summertime can be aggravating. The National Rosacea Society ranks sun as the number one trigger for rosacea flare-ups. So what can you do to protect yourself this season? Today, we're going to talk all about proper skincare for rosacea and sensitive skin. For those of you who don't know, rosacea is a skin condition characterized by skin redness and broken capillaries. It can sting, it can burn, and also begin to bump. Its progression starts at the nose and cheeks and moves outwards to other areas on the face. In advanced cases, rosacea can even lead to tissue changes and facial disfigurement, making it important to manage ASAP. So let's begin by talking about sun as an aggravator. First things first, wear sunblock. This is especially important for fairer skin tones, which have less built-in protection. Unfortunately, these skin types are also the ones prone to rosacea. When choosing a sunblock, I'm partial to mineral-based ones because they're physical blocks that don't rely on agents that go inactive every few hours. Also, sensitive skin can react to irritating chemical sunscreen agents. It may also be a good idea to offer one that doesn't contain added perfume, as synthetic fragrance is another skin sensitivity. Second, never dry out your skin. I repeat, never dry out your skin, even if you have a breakout. Harsh drying products will irritate already delicate skin, and water loss will impede your skin's barrier function. Simply said, dehydration will make your skin more vulnerable to aggravators. Avoid the application of alcohol-based products and instead try hydrating topically with water-rich serums and moisturizers. This is because hydration is a line of defense for your skin. While dehydration can sensitize your skin, hydration makes your skin more resilient. Skincare ingredients like aloe juice, rose, camellia, and chamomile water are all hydrating and soothing. In the cooler months or if your skin lacks oil, add a face oil to your regime. Start by trying jojoba, coconut, or argan oils. They're excellent for sensitive skin types. Some oils are stimulating and dilate your capillaries, so choosing a calming, unstimulating oil is key. If you're struggling with rosacea or sensitive skin, there's a whole anti-inflammatory lifestyle which can help. But these skincare tips are a good place to start as they set the stage for calmer, healthier skin. In turn, this can also help prevent rosacea from progressing and becoming more advanced. This has been Pure Beauty with Dr. Kristen Ma. Learn more and ask questions about holistic beauty and their wellness centers through their Facebook page at pureandsimple.ca. This segment should not take the place of medical advice. Always talk to your healthcare provider about personal health concerns. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. 
Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest is naturopathic doctor Jody Larry. For over a decade, Jody has brought hundreds in Toronto back to life by sharing her passion and experience of what living holistically really looks like. Through her busy practice, wellness studios and corporations, Jody shares her philosophy about clean, wholesome diets and self-care practices that inspires mind, body, health and well-being. Welcome back to The Tonic, Jody. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Summertime. The kids are away and it's time to play, but not really because my kids are all home, but I'll be playing along. <laughs> so it's time for barbecues and cottages and let's face it, adult excess, right? Yeah. So summer's a time to let go. How do we keep it all together? It is really important because the problem is that if you have too much fun in the summer, A, your body will wreak the havoc, but also summer's when you want to feel light. It's when you want to look light, yep. summery clothes, you want to feel good about yourself. So it's really important that you balance the fun you're having with also staying healthy and also having good tips and tricks around how to stay healthy in these parties when you go to cottages. You know, it doesn't have to always be a free-for-all and there are ways to make healthier choices even, you know, while you're away or traveling. Okay, so let's hear some of your summer revelry hacks. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is alcohol. Yep. Because that's something that a lot of people like to do in the summer. And you really, really want to stay away from all those sugary drinks. Yep. Okay? The margaritas, the, you know... The cocktails. Whatever, cocktails. You never want to add sugar and alcohol together. It's really not great for your system, but also it causes you to crave more. So if there's sugar in the alcohol you're drinking, you're likely then going to have less inhibition. And if you're at a party drinking sugary drinks, you're then going to have the cake, you're going to have the cookies, you're going to have ice cream, and it's gonna, you're going to wake up in the morning feeling really regretful. Okay, that goes for wine as well. So the cleanest alcohol and really the most low calorie and what's going to wreak the least amount of havoc on your waistline is, and I know it's very weird, but it's tequila. No, I know that because it comes from agave, correct? Exactly. So it's a plant-based alcohol. It's a clear alcohol, so there's absolutely no sugar in it. Your hangover, you'll find, will actually be pretty minimal and much better than if you're drinking sugar, you know, wine or sugary drinks all night. And it really is the best alcohol for your health. But that being said, you have to be careful what you mix it with. So most people, you know, can't just drink straight up tequila. You don't want to start mixing it with juicy, you know, sugary things because then that defeats the purpose of the health aspect. You really want to have tequila mixed with either just like a Perrier and a ton of fresh lemon or um, what I call like a clean mojito. So I'll make a clean mojito and I'll get clear rum. I'll mix it with Perrier, a ton of fresh mint and then pure maple syrup instead of all the sugar. Yeah. And the one thing about tequila is if you're going to drink tequila, you stick with tequila because if you start drinking with other alcohols, then it isn't just about the health issues. That's for sure. And I think that goes with every alcohol. Right? If you're going to pick one, stick with that one for the night. Um, you know, I find tequila actually the, the worst one to mix, though, truthfully. Yeah. No, that's my experience. Believe okay. me. And I've been mixing alcohol for years. So. Okay. Just not tequila. <laughs> Just, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So tequila with Perrier and tons of fresh lime. Also, my colleague, Carolyn, who I know has been on the podcast as well. Yep. 
she's made this really amazing concoction of turmeric and ginger mm-hmm. that she then mixes with the tequila, and it's actually incredible as well, very clean, healthy way to drink alcohol. And it's literally just buying fresh turmeric, fresh ginger, boiling it up for about 10 minutes, letting it cool, putting in a ton of ice, and then adding the tequila to that. It's absolutely delicious. All right, I'm going to add in my hangover hack, which is uh, whenever you're drinking... Uh, mm-hmm. Before you go to sleep, you make sure you have a lot of water. Yes, and it's, that's very important. I mean, too. it sounds ridiculously simple, and it is, but it actually, if you want to avoid hangovers, most hangovers are derived from dehydration. Mm-hmm, for sure. But it's the sugar, too. Yeah. For real. So drinking something like straight tequila just with pure Perrier and lime, and you don't want to have club soda. Like most restaurants you go to, they're only going to have club soda. If it's a choice between club soda or nothing, I'd rather just sip the tequila. Because club soda is full of salt, which is actually the same thing. It's going to do the same thing to your body as sugar. What other strategies do you have for the summer? Okay. So if I'm going to a party or a barbecue or a cottage, I really like to bring my own dessert that I know is going to be a little bit healthier. So I don't feel left out. So for example, I mentioned this when I was on last month, but there's a brand called Coconut Bliss, which makes a coconut-based ice cream. Mm-hmm. And it's sweetened with agave, you know, if I'm going to a party, I'll bring myself a container of that so that when everyone's eating the ice cream and the cake and, you know, I don't want to feel left out and maybe it's triggering a craving, I'll have myself a bowl of that. Do you share? No guilt, no no refined sugar, and then I, you know, I'm still enjoying um, without having all the sugar. Do you share it with others or is it all yours? 100% if people want, (laughs) they can have too, by all means, yeah. Okay. And then I also like to eat a lot of fruit. Yep. When people are having a lot of desserts, I'll just fill my plate with fruit. I'll make myself a cup of tea. And I actually don't even like to try because I find like a little sliver will lead to, you know, a whole lot of sugar. Sugar really is very addictive. And once you start with it, you're done. Other things too would be, you know, having, if you're going to have a burger or a hot dog, leave out the bun. The bun is sugar. It's just going to make you want more and more and more. So really leave out the bun and also be wary of the condiments. So something as seemingly harmless as ketchup really is sugar. Like ketchup is tablespoons and tablespoons of sugar. And sugar breeds more sugar. So if you put ketchup on your hamburger, you're going to way more likely want the dessert later. So please be mindful of, you know, sticking with things just like fancy Dijon mustards, you know, the pickles, the veggies, but stay away from the sugar, the ketchup, which is full of sugar, and, you know, any of those other spreads. A lot of people don't connect that kind of stuff, but that will really be beneficial. If you're serving appetizers, I like to always, you know, make sure there's veggies there. So it's like the nacho chips and all that stuff, that's going to add up as well. But if there's veggies, you can choose veggies, making sure the dips are healthy as well. Again, if you're going to a party, bring the healthy food. Of course, you're going to share it. If someone asks you, you know, what can I bring? I'll bring the salad. Bring a healthy salad. You can fill your plate up, you know, mostly with that kind of stuff and not be dependent on, you know, whatever's going to be at the party. Well, thank you for coming in today. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much again for having me. Have a great summer. We'll be sure to have you back later in the summer so you can tell us all about your alcoholic excesses and binge eating (laughs) and, and eating hamburgers animal style and lettuce wraps. But we've got to take a short break and we'll be right back on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest, Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, is owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for 17 years. She has a science background, which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. For more information about Carolyn, please visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to The Tonic. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. So lots of people think that that cooking healthy is a chore because they don't have all the ingredients handy to execute, you know, those quick, clean dishes that they want to eat, right? But you have a list of go-to items that if people stock with these items, they should be good to go for healthy recipes, right? Absolutely, yes. So let's start at the very top. I always go, what's your number one item that everybody should have in in their kitchen? Well, I have a number 10. Okay, let's start with number 10. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. That's not what I mean. I have about 10. I know. I won't say they're like number one. Oh, so you don't, you're don't? not picking they're favorites. They're not ranked. No, I really don't want to pick favorites. It also depends on the season. They don't care. They won't okay, know. Okay, okay. Don't be offended then. All okay. right. All right. So really, I always have frozen kale in my freezer. Okay. Okay? It's almost like cooked kale. That's how you have to think of it. So you buy it in a bag. It comes flash frozen, already clean, chopped kale. Mm-hmm. You can get it in almost every single grocery store from organic to not organic. And I love it. So what I do is I defrost it yep. just a handful at a time. I squeeze the liquid out of it. And then I could add it to almost anything. So my, one of my favorite things to add it to is minced turkey. I season the turkey up with paprika, garlic, salt, pepper, and I throw in a large handful per pound of frozen kale. Mm-hmm. And then I have perfect mixture for turkey burgers or turkey meatballs. So kale is one of those hot ticket, like uh, this is the healthiest item you can cook with yeah. type article it's vegetable. Amazing. Yeah. But the good stuff, which is the Italian elephant kale, which is the dark kale. Right. Uh, the difficulty is it, there's a lot of prep. If you're using it in a salad, you have to massage it. For sure. Which literally means you have to yeah, massage it with oil and salt on your fingers. Yep. And a lot of people don't like cooking with the spine, which means you have to strip it off the spine. Yep. And if you're buying organic, sometimes there's little buggies there. Oh, yes. I had one the other day. And I actually grow it in my garden. So there is, it's a terrific, versatile vegetable, but it does require a lot of work. And the frozen actually is fantastic because it takes away all those issues. It's great. And also it adds so much moisture to an otherwise very dry meat like turkey. Exactly. So, and I use it instead of breadcrumbs because it's a great filler. Okay, so another hot vegetable is cauliflower, right? Yes. So what do you have to say about that? Okay, so I love cauliflower, not just to roast the florets or boil them up. I love cauliflower rice. Now, you could buy cauliflower already riced, but it's incredibly easy to do on your own, too. You just take the florets, put it in your food processor or grate it on a grater, and pulse a few times, and you have cauliflower rice. And your own fresh cauliflower rice will last you about a week in your fridge. So what I'll do sometimes if I need a quick side dish or even a quick dinner is I'll make like a cauliflower fry fried rice. Put a little vegetable at the bottom of your pan, fry up the cauliflower, saute a little bit of egg, throw it in, and even throw in some frozen kale. 
Right. Oh, we're back to the kale. Yeah, but right from frozen, you could do it with the cauliflower oh, wow. rice. Yeah, and then some garlic and maybe some even frozen vegetables if you want to have those in your freezer too. And you have a beautiful side dish with cauliflower rice. Hmm. Yeah, or you could just use cauliflower rice as a salad and you could season it with your favorite salad dressing and it adds a lot of crunch and a lot of bulk and a lot of chew, which yeah. is really great. It's, cauliflower is great for texture. Yeah, so I it's agree. fabulous. I love that. Okay, so next vegetable. Yeah. Okay, this is one that you may not necessarily think of, but sweet potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. Yeah, so sweet potatoes cooked in the oven are incredible. Way better than the microwave. I have a recipe where, which we've been using recently where you slow cook it yeah. at a very low temperature yeah. for like two hours oh. where you rub salt on the outside Yum. and it turns out phenomenally. Yeah, they're light, fluffy, and yep. delicious. And very filling too. For sure. But you're not just going to eat the sweet potato, Jamie. What I like to do is, because sweet potatoes take about an hour or even two to cook right. in your oven, so I'll cook a dozen at the same time. Oh, wow. Okay, poke the holes in them because they do yep. explode. Yep. And then what I'll do is I'll peel them and then they almost self-mash once you pull them out. Yep. And then I freeze them in one cup increments in baggies. And yeah, and then I'll take the one cup what, when I need it, I'll put that into minced turkey, let's say, and that acts as an amazing filler and an amazing moisturizer for the turkey. And you can make a turkey meatball, a turkey burger on your barbecue, or even I put it instead of applesauce in a muffin. So frozen sweet Great potato. texture, great taste. They're sweet. Yeah. Uh, but they're also incredibly healthy. Full of fiber. Yep. Really good for you. Awesome. Okay. So uh, your next item, which is in my pantry, which I've been using more and more, and it has a lot of health applications. A lot of people in health and wellness are big on this product. It is... Apple cider vinegar. Right. Number one. Love that. Always have that. So, of course, you could use it in salad dressings, and it has an incredible tangy flavor. Now, I'm not talking about regular apple cider vinegar that might come in, I hate to say this, but uh, like a... Plastic jug? Plastic jug. Let's just say plastic jug, okay? Yep. You got to buy the stuff with the mother. Now, yes. what is with the mother? That's Everybody the sediment at the has, bottom, right? Yes, it's a sediment at the bottom that you might otherwise think is bad, but it's actually the ferment. It's what's feeding the apple cider vinegar. Think of, you know, sourdough bread. It's made from a mother. It's a fermentation process. Yogurt culture. Right, yeah. or yogurt culture. Right, so this is what happens to be the, the healthy part of the apple cider vinegar and what aids in digestion in your body. So apple cider vinegar is an amazing ingredient. It lowers cholesterol. It reduces water retention. It's an appetite suppressant, believe it or not. It's great in salad dressings. You could just drink it, a shot of it, dilute it in a little water in the yeah, morning. Yeah, people are doing that. I hate that. I don't know. Yeah, That's I can't do it thing. either. Me neither. And actually, it's a natural toner, skin toner. Yep. Mix it with a little bit of water, put it on your skin. It's fabulous. You'll be glowing. Okay. Another, what do you want to do next? Well, last one. Okay, so I always have lemons in my fridge. So do we. Always, always. The zest, the juice. Why do you? Well, for a number of reasons. My wife has it in water every morning. Yes, me too. I use it for my favorite drink, which is a paper plane. And okay. I'll, I'll give that paper recipe plane. a paper plane. It's an amazing drink. I want to hear about that. This is one of those items that we must have organic. We all have organic lemons because they are highly sprayed. Even though they have the non-permeable skin, yep. if you're using the skin at all for baking. Which I always do. Or for putting into drinks, yep. you want to make sure that you're washing them and you have them organic. For sure. I totally agree with you. In fact, sometimes I use the zest on fish right. and I put it underneath the broiler and then I have this incredibly bad plastic smell in my right. house and it's actually the wax from the non-organic lemons and the spray. Right. So you have to use organic lemons. I completely agree with you. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll have you back next month. That's all the time we have today. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. 
For articles written by Carlisle Jansen, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me directly at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll have more Real Estate Roundtable. We'll discuss the natural treatment of depression. We'll learn about psychological health and the sex trade and the best Middle Eastern recipes. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air and The Garden Show.